0: I am
1: unashamed. What about you? We're
0: back in studio. Jess, you're back. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) I'm glad to be back.
2: You know, Al, it's like life when you you have a plan. The famous Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you schedule all this, you know, we do podcasts on Mondays and Tuesdays. I film from Wednesdays to Sundays. Yep. I mean, I get Sunday off sometimes. And so we go down to, uh, I was almost down in Mexico and we get all Mexico. Well, you know, Jeff, if anybody's ever traveled with Jeff in this family, you realize that there's only one subject as you travel. Where's the next bathroom? (laughs) This is just the way it is. It's been that way his whole life. He's always had intestinal discomfort. He's very sensitive to Mm. intestinal mischief.
3: He's got uh, IBS. I think he has undiagnosed irritable bowel syndrome.
2: I think he's a hypochondriac with bowel tendency issues. Uh, So you combine the two. Because if you think that, you become that. So, because it just doesn't make any sense. So we get, you know, we stop an unusual amount of times on the way down there. And just like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And so uh, we were going to go scout before we film, just to get an idea of what, you know, see if we could find anything for the treasure hunting show. So we're about 10 minutes into it. I mean, we get out. I'm excited because we're, you know, a new place. We're going to make some great TV. We're going to find a lot of treasures and I look over ten minutes into it, and Jeff's sitting under a tree, a little mesquite tree. I said, "Jeff, you all right?" And he went, "Nope." <laughs> so I just kept going, and uh, I came back through about thirty minutes later, and there was some the people who owned the place. I said, "What happened to Jeff?" And they said, "Oh, he left." He said, "He's he's at you Airbnb." He said he was sick. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" So I thought, Jeff, it's just why is he? <laughs> So I hunt till slap dark. get to the Airbnb. When I walked in, Jep has every blanket in that house on top of him, and he's violently convulsing on the couch. Just shaking. Just shaking. That's not good. Uh, So I thought, maybe he really is sick, you know?
0: Yeah. And so I said, he's way beyond the boy and wolf through the years, so you don't really know.
2: Yeah, he's by himself, I thought. Huh. So then about two or three o'clock in the morning, I mean, I went to bed, I heard this sound, and I thought, what is that? It sounded like something I just couldn't make out. Then I realized it's Jep violently throwing up, oh, echoing boy. through the yeah. through the house. So I thought, no, P-sick. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for real. Yeah. So long story short. It was, uh, it was amazing you were
1: finally convinced of that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's what's amazing. I mean, I felt terrible because I was like, oh, it's Jeff being Jeff. No, yeah. oh, he's see, he's really. Yeah, right. And so, uh, so I go the next day, all the film crews there, you know, and you can imagine coordinating all this. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, do you have any ideas? I said, I vote we all get in our vehicles and head back to the house. <laughs> One of our main characters is down, you know, Jeff. And so eventually, a few hours later, that's what we did. But what the funny part was, uh, is it was like, so I go back because they're all acting like, well, you know, we're going to send him some medicine under the door. They're all panicked. I, I think COVID did this to our society. Everybody now is like, no one wants to be around him. But I was with him. I was with him in a truck for Seven hours. You've already been exposed. To I've this. been exposed. So guess what? If I got it, y'all all got it because we're yeah. all standing around here in a meeting. And so uh, we wound up. I I went and scouted another place in North Texas. So I drove. You know the next morning. So we when I got back to tell Jep, he's like, "Well, how how y'all gonna get me home?" Because he rode with me, but I was I wasn't going home. And none of the people from the TV people wanted to drive him. <laughs> They're like, well, we're not going to be exposed to that. And so their plan was they rented a car for him and left the keys <laughs> on the hood and said, whenever you feel like it, go home. <laughs>
1: It's always a helping hand. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this is like Robertson on on
0: steroids.
2: Jeff was like, I mean, just nobody cares about me. I was like, Jeff, I care. If you want to get in the back of my truck, I'll haul you around, you know, while I go scout. But uh, I think it's a pretty good plan. So what's funny is yesterday, I mean, now it's been days since then, and I was talking to Missy, and I was like, did Jeff ever make it home? <laughs> she said, Yeah, Jessica called He he waited a couple of days till he got to feeling better. It was like the lonely life of a TV
0: personality. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Boy, it's just an entourage is not like it used to be. It, it's not like what it you read about. Stop. Yeah.
1: Well they're just from just what you just said, you can tell the love, the love for their fellow man was deep <laughs> at that TV show. Well, I actually said that and they said, We got him a car.
2: It is true. They, did, <laughs> they just didn't leave him for the Greyhound or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, jump. They got you a car, and because I was like, well, why don't y'all just fly him back? Just like, no, I'm not getting in a plane, you know. Plus, you got other people. You didn't want to get him a car service because it's the same issue. Plus, he, he just had like, a
0: bug. I mean, you know, it happens.
2: He had a violently. Uh, I mean, he threw up for about 24 hours. It yeah. was a violent bug. Yeah, it's a bug. I mean. So it, then I thought I was getting sick on the way home, but cause I was like, I just, you know, sinuses. But I think I just got up into the allergy-infested
0: areas of North Texas mesquite and cedar trees and all. Oh that. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the season here when it starts when it gets this early spring. It's brutal, Texas, yeah. Louisiana. Because the guy with me on the scout trip, evidently he's.
2: He's very allergic to poison ivy. And I guess I'm not because he he looks like just a swollen human ready to pop. (laughs) Because he was like, Did you not break out over that? But I was like, No. So, look, it's hard to make a TV show there. That was a week flush down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it was pretty expensive you know a bridge to nowhere but it it happens that's what happens. that's
1: kind of misery probably will sell well out there in our current culture
2: yeah that's what i said i said you ought to just film it
1: yeah oh yeah yeah. i mean bring the
2: camera you don't have to go in while he's in the bathroom i brought that up i said just the sound effects alone
1: will work sure It's, it's the hunt that never happened in the hunt that never happened. I mean, you that, have to pay the price to, to make sure that you're up the next morning trying your best to mm-hmm. get something that's of worth out of the ground. That's right. Here's what some of them look like. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's must see TV. A lot of people yeah. would, you know. Relish their misery.
2: Yeah, they 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 say on TV if you you know you climb the highest mountain or it's just a crash, yeah. That those two extremes will people want to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we were supposed to be in Gulf Shores and we came back early, so our our schedule was changed. Zach was supposed to be in Tennessee, but so Zach, were you were you a part of? The, so they had this. Like, I was telling Dad about today. There's been there's kind of been an interesting sort of. What would you call it? It's like an outbreak of worship across the South, and it started in Kentucky, but I've been reading about these. Um, well, it's been, by the time this airs, it will have been
2: a couple of weeks, I guess. At
0: least two. They started, the first one was up in uh, up in Kentucky somewhere. Yeah, they went like 10 straight days. Yeah,
2: 24-7. Asbury. 7. As, Some of the
3: Asbury. S- okay, it was a seminary up in Kentucky, Asbury. Okay. I,
0: didn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah. It's like, I knew it was a Christian college of some sort. I wasn't sure about My it. My wife called me, I, and I've got numerous texts about it. Yeah, They're like, what is going on? It's a revival. I first saw it on a Tucker Carlson had mentioned it, and then I kind of started looking it up. But then I read about there's like 20 other uh, college campuses across the south that have had something similar. So what, what do you know about it, Zoe? You Because didn't your wife actually make the track?
3: Yeah, Jill, uh, yeah, they went – her and about four girls. And they drove over there and went late. At, it was like late at night when they got there. They wanted to see what the mm. what it was. And
2: let me make a confession, Zach. <laughs> I told Missy. I said, and because she said, and people are going all over the country. They're going. I was over like, the world. They're I flying. Said, what kind of person? <laughs> Just says, hey, f- forget the kids, forget, there's a worship service in Kentucky, I'm going. And now the first thing I hear is actually like, yeah, Jill, working <laughs> So I guess I'm confessing kind of, my sins. I guess kind of it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Well, I, if, I did did that,
1: to, if they're that fired up by Jesus, I'd say, let her rip. Well, that's what I was. Well,
2: like. I was, my point was, I was saying, just start your own. Is what I was thinking. Yeah, you don't
0: necessarily have to go to. You don't contention. have
2: to go. I get what they're doing. Just say you, because know, I, I love the idea of young people, you know, that becoming contagious all over. Just our
0: having world. an ongoing worship. Yeah. But,
2: it, but I will say this: at some point, you got to get back to being Jesus in your world every day. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. Let's let's have a worship.
3: Yeah, I'm not no, down I'm, on it. at all.
2: No, but at some point, everyday life, which is what Jesus did, but yep. we interrupted you. So, yeah, Make,
3: some, <laughs> some people were down on it. It, it, it. it was interesting. Some of the play on. Yeah, I've uh, read a lot media. of negative about it. Which have is, you? Really is that yeah. like weird? It was, with this stuff like, yeah. hey, let's. Whoa, 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 whoa! This is. Not, we don't know if this is a revival. It just could be. Well, and, how much preaching's going on? It was like everyone was like soup. Not everybody. There were certain groups that were. Yeah, super cautious about it, which I kind of get. But i mean, at the same time. I mean, look, you got people breaking out in worship. You have a, a chapel service where where it just continues on, and people are coming from all over the country to to, to sing praises to God. I, I mean, to me, like, I don't know why we have to dissect that apart. I mean, that's a good thing that people are excited. That's what about I'm saying myself. So,
2: oh yeah, I think I'm everyone, just saying why well, be I, down on it. I just, thought everyone agreed that it was a good thing. I no, was just no, being no. practical, saying. Start your own, but at some point, you want to be Jesus in this world. Yeah, Which, that's the hard part. I mean, we're in First Peter; that's what he's addressing: living for Jesus when things aren't going your way, right? And yeah. or th- when people are going to insult you. And I mean, y'all know me; I'm the. You know, my wife introduced me to true worship in in a way that I had never even considered the first few years of my faith. And I mean, it is vital. I I, I love it, but. I also realize that a lot of what we do is about living like Jesus
1: in a world when it's just not on top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be in Tupelo, Mississippi tomorrow night. So it may may or may not be part of that, but if if they invited me to come, I said, yeah, a lot of them I don't go. To well, that's
0: either. the thing. We all do things. Like I'll be in Enterprise, Alabama this week doing a thing. Like we're we're all over the place doing things. That's good. And if somebody's in wherever you know
1: Kentucky having an ongoing yeah, worship I'm, service, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, think, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm liking what it, I mean. I'm hearing about it. I mean, I I'm, yeah, a, I, I hope we worship all over the world. Could be looking at a mass repentance. So I, I would hope so. The more well, worship, funny. They, that, the better. That's
3: what they were. Yeah, one of the criticisms was, I saw, uh, is there any repentance going on there? And I'm like, I, I, mean, I don't know. I, just, been, but, you know it's like, I hope so. But,
1: but I would think well, it's a yeah, good well, starting
3: point. What kind of question? Yeah, but I did that. see I'm sure there yeah, is. Yeah, I'm
2: sure yeah, there is. Yeah, there's
3: repentance going on there. I mean, look, I mean, it's. I think that that's the thing, that we're so jaded and quick to be anti, whatever the thing is. Like, well, And we got to like... I think it's like because we want to make sure we get out in front of whatever the thing is so that we could, if it goes haywire, we can say, eh, I told you guys, I told you that was going to happen.
1: Yeah. It's
3: like a safer route. But I mean, to me, if when I see a, a movement of God, uh, if I see people coming from all over. Jill said it was not like super highly produced. She said it was very low key. You could she said you could even hear the band singing. She said, you all you could hear was the, 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 people in the congregations or not the congregation, but in the, in the chapel singing, yeah. um, and just worshiping and, um, people from different countries. And and we, we had a little service at our church on Wednesday night. That was just kind of in that spirit of revival and that spirit of just coming together. We're just going to come together and pray. Uh, we had a little preaching of the word. Um, I had somebody pray over me. One of the ladies from our church is from, um, Brazil And so she said, I talk to God in Portuguese. Do you mind if I pray over you? And I was like, in Portuguese. I'm like, no, it was. And I didn't understand a lot of what she was saying. I picked up a little bit of it, but it was pretty powerful to hear just her passion uh, in in her prayer and uh, hearing that in another language. I just think that we're just a little too um, quick to stamp out anything that, that doesn't come out of our particular group. And I think we need to be probably a little bit more open-minded about, how, you know, not boxing God, how God's going to move or how God wants to move.
0: Yeah. that's, that's a, Just be happy when good things are happening, wherever they're at. Yeah. I think it's a good way to be. That's kind of my approach to it. I think that's a positive. So, Jace, you've been uh, you treasure hunter. That's what you do, right? That's that's your fun. You got to go and look and find things. It's biblical. It's biblical, I, and I like it. I like to see what you find. So, so me, I like when things come to me. I like when surprises come to to my house. I it, I like to treasure treasure hunt when it's a a box, an unopened box that I don't know what's inside the box. That's the limit because I'm a little, I'm kind of a lazy treasure hunter. So every month I get a box of awesome that comes to my house. And they're also sponsors of our podcast, which makes it that's awesome as well. And so it it comes. And so this time, this is what came in in my box. This was in my box of awesome. Now you know I do a lot of travel back and forth because I have the Southern Lair, which is my place down on the on the Gulf Coast. So this is what came in my latest box, and it is a, a refrigerator bag. And I can put my drinks in. I put my snack foods in here, Dad. I keep everything nice and cold. And uh, so this was like the perfect gift uh, for me to get from my my friends at Box of Awesome. So this is the kind of stuff that comes in. Sometimes it's knives, camping gear, um, you know, different things that I like. And so I never know what's going to be in the box. So it's kind of like a little surprise. And so uh, you get a box every month. Uh, Here's what you do to get started if you want to check these guys out. You're going to go to boxofawesome.com. You're going to take a quiz, and your answers are going to help them pick the right box for you. They release a new box every month uh, across a ton of different categories, stuff that you're going to like. Each box is valued at around $70, uh, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. You're going to get a great value. Uh, With each box of awesome, you're supporting small business, which we love because we started out as a small business as well. 90% 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from an up-and-coming brand, a small up-and-coming brand. So we love that. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or you can cancel at any time so you're not locking into any long-term deal. You get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code fill at checkout. So it's boxofawesome.com. Enter the code fill for 20% off your first box, boxofawesome.com. Use the code field. Get awesome stuff that you love. I love my stuff. Check it out. It's treasure hunting right there at your doorstop.
2: I mean, the moral of that story is if you're going to be a hippie, be a hippie
0: for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah funny, you might have hippie tendencies. It's funny you, know you I mean? said that because a lot of what this kind of thing has been compared to a lot. I was telling this to dad. Uh, to what happened back in the sixties and seventies and a lot of it was out of the hippie movement, but there were a lot of like and it it was panned as well, a lot of the Jesus freak stuff, but a lot of good came out of that. there were a lot of true stuff and a lot of it wasn't true stuff, but at the same time, if people a lot of people back in those days did find relationship with Christ and some of it was bogus, some of it wasn't but who, who's to say I mean,
3: yeah, I think people will look back at that and then I actually just watched the film um. I got a screener on Jesus Revolution.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that. If you see anything about that with the great. Yeah, blast. I watched it. I watched
3: yeah. it. Yeah, I watched it last week. I thought it was great. Uh, John Irwin, Irwin Brothers. Yeah. And you yeah. put that on. Um, Kelsey Grammer's in it. Right. Um, Yeah, it was done well. But I think it was a legitimate movement of God, even that, which is interesting when you, when you go back and do the research on it. I mean, there's a lot of it, 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 it wasn't perfect, right? I mean, there was like sinful people involved. And, right. I think I think that's what's so incredible about God, uh, you know. I just want to. Hey, God uses messed up people and and troubled people to to bring His kingdom forward. But yeah, I think that it was. You know, I haven't done a a lot of research on it, and I wasn't there. Obviously, wasn't even born yet. But um, I think it was a, a moment, you know. And the film was great, by the way. I thought it was good.
0: Yeah, well, it kind of made me think about that. 'Cause that movie is coming out right around the same time some of this is there. But let me tell you, you go back and read the old testament, you read through the book of Judges, you're seeing God do some things in a time when things were not good at all and and through some very, very flawed people. And so that that kind of thing has happened all throughout history of of God moving through people yeah. who, who weren't at all, you know, stamped with what we would call the approval of other people. So, you know,
3: are we getting the first Peter we getting we're getting in the first Peter. well I mean look,
0: the
2: word of the lord is is where you get your confidence in, and uh you combine that with good worship and that's why I was saying when I you know I thought about that first Peter two in the second part of twenty when it says, "But if you suffer for do good and you endure it, this is commendable before God to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So that was my point. I mean, usually when I'm worshiping or reflecting or even studying, you know, in my personal relationship with God, those are restful moments and peaceful moments. And, but you need that. So when you go out into the world and live like Christ, you know, I'm thinking about that Hebrews 13 also, that we go outside the camp, just like Jesus did to make the people holy. That That's, that's why we do that. But that the, God's word gives you confidence and you know your your relationship with God through the power of the spirit believing in Jesus that that's what we show every day no matter what the circumstance so if, if it if it whips people up into doing that I'm all for it
0: well it's kind of interesting because we have uh, you know here one of our friend good all of our good friends uh, Ryan does a thing he calls worship in the round where they surround this group of people and usually just get like a little acoustic guitar and just have this season of worship. Yeah. And other churches do that. I've seen other people. And it's very powerful. And it's kind of like what they're doing this ongoing basis. We were describing earlier. That's very exciting and dynamic and man, it's just fun to be a part of. And and all that is uplifting. But I was thinking about that worship in the round, but then it made me think about Job one, when Job got the worst news of his life and he tears his clothes and he falls to the ground. And it says he worships God, and I thought, you know, I call that worship in the ground, but yeah. it's still worship. I mean, it, it's still falling yeah, it's down. All,
3: it's, yeah, it's not all a mountaintop experience. I mean, some yeah. of my most incredible moments of worship were in the darkest moments of my life, where the pain was exactly. You're having to, you're having to lean in, and and uh, but it is encouraging when you have. I mean, I will say, man, here's what I'll say about the Asbury revival: is it, at the very least. That we can say that it does show that there is a hunger in this country for the presence of God. You know, wh- wh- like to answer Jason's question earlier, why would someone go, go to that? I think people are hungry. Yeah, I think people want to They, they like, it's, this is a, this is a lonely time in history. Yeah. And I think people are just dying for something real and something intimate. They want to taste the presence of the Lord. And, uh, that's, I, so I was encouraged by it. I was super, I, I still am super encouraged by it. Well, I do think people are, you know, as people of faith
2: and followers of Christ, you get tired of being pushed around by the world because the culture is trying to set the standards by which we're living with. Well, it's frustrating for a Christian to right. just be inundated through any any type of social media or TV, and you're just getting frustrated. So when something like this crops up, it's like, okay, let's let's rally the troops. And, yeah. But I I just wanted to say uh, my favorite hymn of all times. Was written, and you're y'all be uh, very familiar with it when I tell you. But, and I don't remember off the top of my head the exact story. But it was written by a guy, who his wife and uh, four kids were on a ship, and the ship hits an iceberg. The four kids die. The his wife lived, and uh, you know, float. I mean, almost borderline miraculously just picked up, you know, floating on a log or something. And so the, you know, the pain that came from that, he wrote that song, you know, it is well with my soul. And uh, so when you think of those worship type moments and you put into context on where that song was written and even the verses, I mean, you, because I've several times, once I heard how that, how that song was written and you read the verses, it, it just, it means more, right? You're like, how yeah. this guy loses his four daughters, and yeah. has has the uh, the faith in, in in a lot of that. What we're reading in First Peter, it's, it's a First Peter faith here, despite incredible, you know, incredible suffering, and just if you're ever going to blame God, this is the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know that second verse where he says, you know, my sin not in part but the whole. I mean, he's viewing. Even his own self and being thankful for what Jesus did, and it basically is putting him himself uh and that song is just moving before I knew the story behind it writing, but that's that's the only point I was making it it that worship is uh you know, because life is tough and and coming together yeah. as sons and daughters of God, there's something powerful in the references in first Peter two about us being built together as a royal priesthood, you know, a people belonging to God, a spiritual house, people belonging to God. Well, in, in each other, there's, there's something about that loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that worship and us doing it together is a powerful part of that
0: component. I want to read that. It's the second verse that gets left out of a lot of psalm uh, books, Jase, that's really powerful because most, you know, when peace like a river, my sin, oh, the bliss and Lord haste of the day, those are the ones we usually sing. But the second verse, which I heard somebody speak, I think it was our friend Leon, Tommy Lindsay, that zeroed in on this verse that gets left out. This so powerful. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. I mean, that's that's stout. And of course, that's that idea yeah. about trials. Yeah, I mean, but, this guy just lost his four daughters. Yeah, this is in, in that moment of
2: reflection to God. This song came out of it, and I would dare say it's top three
0: worship songs of all times. So, yeah, and and is and even though it was written when it was like back in the eighteen fifties or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely eighteen hundreds. But but yeah, well, that's I'm working on a three point the sermon, Jason. That you, I gave you two of them: worship in the round. Worship on the ground, and the other one is worship when you drown, and that that's from when Peter got out on the water. Then he, when he gets back in the boat, remember they all bowed down and worshipped him in the yeah. boat. Oh I, yeah, I mean that that's my three points. So I don't know this now. This now you gave me another strong thing about this this guy in the song. I'll
3: be here all well, day. I mean, I, yeah, I think that when you when you look at even furthermore in the context of what Peter's talking about. He he's talking about a particular kind of suffering too, and I love this how he phrases it in uh, verse thirteen. Well, I'll read verse 12 first. Beloved, do not be surprised. This is First Peter four twelve. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And I've read that verse a lot in my life. And I think one of the areas I've, I've found comfort in recently is, is understanding who is the owner, according to that verse, and the possessor of the suffering. And it's ultimately Christ. So when you're, there's a kind of suffering that comes even beyond like natural events happening to us or things like that. There's, there's evils that come at people in the church. There's evils that come at people who carry the name of Jesus uh, because they carry the name of Jesus. There's persecution that will happen to you simply because you bear the name of Christ. And when that comes, it's difficult at times to be marginalized or made fun of or excluded from society or hunted down in the case of the first century church. Um, but I love this to how he, he connects the suffering that they're experiencing. He, he doesn't say your sufferings. He says it's, those, are, those are Christ's sufferings. And, and those are part, he's suffering. And when if you connect with Christ in that kind of suffering, he's the, 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 the good part about that is that you'll be able to be glad when his glory is revealed. And so I, I've looked at Peter's message here is really simple. It's kind of like there's there's always glory on the other side of suffering if you suffer with Christ. There's always a resurrection. There's always hope. There's always life after death. And so it's not just being saved from something, it's being saved to something. So you see that, that, uh, that theme play out in all He says Peter's in, one,
1: in one 1.6, in this you greatly rejoice, the trials. Even now for a little while, you may have to, have to, have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, your faith may be proved genuine. And may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Pretty cool. That
0: idea of fire comes about in refinement. It's interesting, Zach, because that Greek word there in the NIV it says painful trial, but the actual, I like the fiery better because the Greek word is pyrosis, which we get the idea of pyro which is fire. I mean, it's the idea of burning, you know, and refining as you would gold. And But he makes the point earlier that gold, even though it's refined, it makes it more valuable. But he's like, gold is is not, your your faith is much more important than anything of the earth. You know, even though gold is refined and more valuable, this is far more. And there's several verses that, that in other passages that have this idea. I love the one in James one, two, there he says, you know, make it, Make it pure joy, right? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the idea is without being tested, that your faith really isn't worth that much. So the idea is if you don't have fiery trials, how do you know how strong your faith is? Yeah.
3: yeah, and part of it too is that, that it's it's in the fiery trials that that it it burns away all the things that are worthless anyways. The things that you think are going to sustain you when you are going through a trial, um, you know the, the luxuries that you argue about, for example, you know, um, like even in church politics and stuff. The things you ha- the, the the fights that happen inside of churches in America. The things we fight about, like right now, the, the discussion over was this a revival at Asbury or not, or what's the like? like if, if you're under persecution and all that's going on, like all those discussions, all that fighting, all that all that that doctrinal battle over trivial issues, all that just kind of fades away. You know, there's mm-hmm. a guy and um, in, in, who's in the Russian church, the underground Russian church. If you ever uh, get involved with Voices of the Martyr, they'll I think they give you this book. It's called um, Tortured for Christ. And the guy, I read it in college, the guy's name was Richard Warmbrandt or something. Uh, I I may may be mispronouncing it. But so he was writing about the underground church in Russia. And he tells the story in the book about this guy who they, the Russian authorities had got a hold of this guy. They were torturing him. They're like, where's the church meeting at? Where's the church meeting at? And the guy's like, because I'm not going to tell you. And so they say, oh, you're going to tell us. And they're beating the guy, beating the guy. I'm not going to tell you. So then they bring out his 13-year-old son. And they're like, we're going to kill your son. We're going to torture your son right in front of you if you don't tell us where the church is meeting. And he's like, he stops. (laughs) I'll tell you. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And the 13-year-old son replies and yells out, don't do me the dishonor of having a traitor as a father. Mm. And then they turn around and kill the son. It's like this. And he's telling the story. And you're just like, whew, man, we got it easy. And he said when he came to uh, Western Christianity, he said we had bits and pieces of the Bible. I, we'd have a page of Mark here, maybe a page of John, a little bit of Peter. He said, I came here and you, we're just united around the gospel. <laughs> we're just we're just trying to survive. And the stuff that you guys were fighting about, I, we, he said it was the most discouraging thing that he had experienced when he wow. came to America was just to see the things. So I think that fire, it burns away a lot of that stuff. It burns away a lot of the things that we think are going to give us hope our material possessions, our 401ks, whatever the thing is, it burns that away. And, it, and it, for, it it puts you in a posture to where you can really see reality that it is God and God alone who sustains you. And I think that's why he says in verse 14, that that's how you get the rest of God. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why, why would that? That doesn't make sense. Why? Well, he says it here, because the spirit of glory and of God rest on you, and I think that's what Phil so eloquently says all the time when he says that the peace of mind is the rarest of commodities. I think that's what he's talking about here. That's how you get yep. the peace of God when you rest in His sovereignty and in the fact that He is He's running the show here, and He He is our sustainer. And that if
0: the worst thing someone could call you would be a you know son of the Almighty. I mean if they were saying that in some sort of insulting way I mean I, I mean there's nothing greater to be called right
1: that's, that's it. that is
0: correct I mean so I mean you're right there's 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 no, it, it, the insults of suffering are the badges of honor for a son or daughter of the Almighty, there's that's correct. Uh, the, the the low blow is the highest of honors, which is what he says. And I think it's the only way you could, because when someone says there's rejoicing in suffering, to to a person who has no understanding of Christ and what what he went through, I think there's there's no way you could marry those two ideas. So some someone would say that's just fantasy. But we we understand that. I mean, when you understand who Jesus is and what he did, you get it. That's what causes you to
2: be courageous in a world despite the persecution. So when he says in uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, you know, as a result, he does not live uh, the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God, you start, and and these people who... uh, you know, that see the way you act, they think it's strange, you know, when it said in verse four, going back, and they began, they begin to heap abuse on you. And my point is, you know, when you, when you think about this phrase, God's will, and I brought this up earlier when you, and we're talking about worship in Romans 12, one, where it says, you know, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We know that next verse then tells you where the conflict occurs because then you no longer conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I only make that point so when you read 1 Peter 2, 15, uh, it says, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Well, when you start living like this, you're going to have conflict. There's going to be persecution. And, yeah. you know, he's going to bring up in chapter 5, which is eerily similar to what happens in Ephesians 5, you know, Peter and Paul's writings here, he brings up in 5.8, be self-controlled your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour because you see this this uh this fear of death and you see the potential of suffering and there's no doubt the evil world uses that to try to get you to be silent i I see it all the time
1: it is god's will verse 15 that you just mentioned that By doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men. But he said, by doing good. So when Christians run around and they're doing good, you say, uh, so why do they do good? Because not to be saved. Peter's made that clear. We're already saved. We have the Spirit of God in us. Therefore, we point them to Jesus because... We're not pointing them to Jesus because it helps us be saved. We're already saved. Our sins are removed. We're guaranteed we can be raised from the dead. We're just reminding them from the one that comes from. But his point is you're going to suffer when you do that. Oh, every time. Because
2: you, you're showing you know courage. That's why he gets to the end before that passage about the evil one. When he gets that cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Well, where's anxiety come from? It's a fear of something greater than God, so which is really sinful. I mean that that's the devil's playground. Pride, which he addresses that in verse six, which we'll get to that, and anxiety. Yeah, and so uh, that's why when you read verses like Revelation twenty one eight, which is very scary, because it's like this group of people, those who practice magic arts and murderers and liars, they're all going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. But the first one on that list was the cowardly. Well that we're like, wait, what? (laughs) Cowardly? And I think because that's what causes anxiety. And in Peter's context here, you know, your your faith gets put to the test when you're gonna be killed if you're outspoken for Jesus Christ. Or if you you doing good is gonna cause them to rebel and hurt you. Or hurt your family. Well, we're really fixed to see where you're at in Jesus. Yeah. Well, if you're anxious about it, because He addresses that. He's like you, you, you know. As a fisherman, we get the the phrase, you know, you cast your anxiety. I know what that means. Throw it out. <laughs> throw it away from you as far as you can.
0: As far as and, possible. Yeah. Let's take another break.
2: But I said I, I said all that before Zach. You go uh, to I think Ephesians five mirrors Paul's what he wrote about submission because he starts off with about worship. He says in uh, five seventeen, "Do not be foolish; understand what the Lord's will is." There is the same phrase. This you offering your bodies as spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what's happening, you know, in Kentucky probably right now, and across the country. And then, what 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 does he use that to do? He starts talking about submitting to one another. He talks about our goals with uh in our families, wives and husbands, and children, and the social classes, the slaves and masters. Just like he does, just like Peter does, same thing. Because it's hard to submit, it's hard to have that kind of attitude, especially in the light of suffering. And then what does Paul do in Ephesians? Same thing. He's like, "Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes." And it's eerily similar to First Peter five eight. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. So all I was saying is, what you get from this is is a fact that. The devil's real. No doubt. We we don't talk about it very often, but he uses these situations and circumstances to move in and tempt you, especially when you're having to suffer for what you thought was gonna bring you peace or perfection or comfortability. And when it doesn't, that's when the evil one moves in. I just think it it has to be a pattern since Paul and Peter coming at it from two different situations. Pretty w- Pretty much went down the same road in those passages. All right, go ahead, Zach.
3: No, th- th- I think it was, that was well put. I mean, it's he's not calling us to uh, suffer for the sake of suffering. I mean, he he's pretty clear about it. I mean, it's a particular kind of suffering that he's addressing here, and it's the kind that's owned by first, that's owned by Christ. He says it's not the same kind of suffering as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler, because he says this in verse 15, but mm-hmm. let, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, so there's a, it's a particular quality and type of suffering that he's calling us to, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for, uh, for, it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And to go back to your point about anxiety, because I think what's, what, in suffering, there's a ton of fear, right? You have fear, you have anxiety, um, and, and you're, we're casting that on him. I think the fear is multi-pronged, but it's a lot of times it's the fear of being uncovered. You know, it's the fear of being known and seen for who you really are. But if I'm in Christ then I'm covered and I don't have that fear— or it may be the fear of what someone else is going to do to you. Um, but I think what he's calling us into is kind of this relational trust in him. And I think that's ultimately what, when we suffer, it's, it, it, we have to hone in on this particular quality of it, that it's, it's, it's uh, Christ's suffering. It's not the suffering as like a murderer. And then the last part that he says is uh, we are to suffer according to God's will. And what that leads to is is the entrustment of our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And that term faithful creator is so powerful because if you are not trusting in God, then you either don't believe one of those two things. You don't believe that he's faithful, that he's good, he's going to do what he said he was going to do, or you don't believe that he's creator, that he's powerful enough to do it. But if God is all powerful and God is all good, then we can we can trust our souls to Him, you know, um, and we can trust Him to 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 do good works. We can do good works because we trust Him. We believe that that He's not lying to us when He tells us that our suffering's going to lead to glory.
0: Well, and I like the contrast um, that He lays out there as well. Let's take our last break. The contrast is when we see people suffer for doing evil. We expect that, right? Yep. I mean, he says, you don't want to suffer because you murdered somebody because you stole something. And I love it. He throws in even the meddler. In other words, even when you stick your nose in somebody else's business and you suffer, it's like, well, you expect to suffer for doing that. You should have minded your own business, right, as a meddler. So he says, you don't want to suffer that because we expect that. You want to suffer for the unexpected. For just doing the right thing, or as you would say, Dad, for doing good. Doing and, good. And so I think it's interesting that this is another unashamed passage. You know, he says, he says we want to be the unashamed, and this is again, you know, we talk about this whole podcast. We we call it the Unashamed Podcast. Romans one sixteen, we're unashamed of the gospel, but then Hebrews two was is another one of uh, Hebrews two ten, in bringing many sons to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So he's unashamed of us, right? Which and then here, it's, if you suffer as a Christian,
2: do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name.
0: Yeah, which I love. And then Hebrews 11, 16 is another one. God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. So we talked about that when we studied Hebrews. Not only are we the unashamed because we're unashamed of the gospel, but God and Jesus are unashamed of us uh, yeah. as well. So I, I love that it works. I mean, that's better. what gets me. A lot of times people say, well,
2: I don't, I don't get it. I'm not suffering, you know, and I'm not being persecuted. And and I usually say, well, are you declaring Jesus as Lord and The surroundings you're going Uh-oh. Speaking speaking of meddling... (laughs) Oh, I remember I uh, preached a sermon one time, and I used the illustration. There was a book out there. You can go find it somewhere. But uh, it was My Mother is a Coward. And, uh, you know, that went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) But it was a story about a non-confrontational mom that in every instance with her kids... Uh, at church, she never wanted to confront anybody. Well, guess what happened? You know, all, all, in all the I, I I can't. It's been a while since I have heard or seen that, but in all the situations, it didn't end well. All her kids ran out. She never wanted to confront because she just wasn't that type of person. And that kind of attitude flies in the face of who we are in Jesus. There just has to be uncomfortable, especially with your kids. There because they'll. They'll lie, you know, they'll cover up or they'll have their attitude or whatever. And there just has to be some awkward confrontations. And you think about all the Bible studies we've had, some of the conversations got awkward because you're talking about people's lives. And to Zach's point earlier, you're not coming from a place where you think you're better than them. You're a sinner as well. So every time I've been... In those awkward situations where people are like, "Well, you think you're better, you're better than me," I'm like, "Nope, I'm a sinner too."
3: But at you're least like, you're like, "Have you not heard anything I've said?" Yeah. Like, yeah, that that, but that's like the default reaction. But you're like, "No, you didn't hear what we just said." Like that's the thing. We're not like nobody's got this together.
2: Nobody. Yeah, I mean, and that's why you confess your sins, and that what we do as a church. And even psychiatrists have said there's something about going through the process of admitting what you did that's actually the greatest therapy there is. Well, you know, you and lo and behold, that's biblical. You know, you confess Mm your sins one to another. What's that, James 5, so you can be healed. So that's why you have these conversations. We're just uniting on Jesus. We we, we may not know, uh, you know, what path to take in the short term as far as all the details of your life. But we know one one thing, if you surrender to Jesus, ultimately that's going to be the way where you have clarity about your life and and how it's going to go. Because ultimately we all have to make that, that journey towards surrender to Jesus if you want a meaningful life, if you want everlasting life, if you want purpose to your life, and you, you can add in whatever of your life phrase you want to there.
0: Yeah, and what's the verse? you always said that those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's pretty clear. Paul made it pretty clear that one does go with the other. So if you're not if you're not seeing it, that's... the victory is they know why.
1: <laughs> they know why they're being persecuted. Yeah. They're trying to help their fellow man. Yeah. They present Jesus, Him crucified and raised from the dead, and they and you said the want there are some to reject it and some that embrace it. But we're telling them not to be saved. They've just told us, Jesus, who is that? Yeah. So we're telling them who he is, we're sharing Jesus with him, and we're doing that from a position of strength. Yeah. We're doing it because we're already saved. We know how it works. His blood has forgiven us of our sins. He's promised the resurrection. We're telling the people that we run into the same message. The ones, some say yes, some say no. That's the way it works. Right. Well, somebody,
2: uh, I, I think uh, Smith, who brought you to the Lord, Phil, used to say a lot, you know, when you share the gospel, it makes people mad, glad, or sad. Yep. And, a uh, lot of truth in uh, that. I've always thought, you know, there's two responses to Jesus, you know, from his perspective. You're either all in or all out. And so I guess mad or glad would be the two extremes. Sad could go either way. Because you could be sad and then realize that you're a sinner and ultimately be glad. Yeah. You, or you could be so sad that you're think you're worthless or and yep. use that go the other way and get mad or bitter. But I think there's some truth in that. If uh if your life in Jesus is not making people those especially those you love around you mad, glad or sad, maybe you need to have some more conversations. Mm-hmm. You know? One thing
1: I've noticed that, that you'll never see good news coming forth from a person who doesn't believe it. Someone who says, I don't go there's Jesus saying, well, get ready, because you're fixing to hear a devastating throng of evidence that proves them wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just say, what about Jesus? And they're like, yeah. Jesus, who is that? I mean, I don't have a big fear in Jesus. I said, yeah, you do. I'm trying to tell you... Something that's great. Yeah. I'm doing good here, but just telling you about it, and you're all fired up. Well, just look into it, and you tell me about Jesus. Explain him to me. Well, there's a difference in trying to police
2: the church and sharing Jesus. That's right. You know, if you're getting persecution because you're being judgmental and mean-spirited, that's one thing. If you're getting persecution for declaring Jesus as Lord, that's another. I'm, you know, I'm in that camp. We're not called to be the policeman, we're, we're called to present Jesus, and a lot of times in your family or at your workplace or in your church even, when you're having these Jesus
1: conversations, you're doing it because that's just what we're called to do, and yeah. conflict will come when that happens. Yesterday we had visitors, and I just looked at them and, and asked them where they were from, and they went down through the list, and it was from states all over the United States. The, the biggest percentage of them were from somewhere way off. They were from Alabama. They were up in the, all, all of the Midwest, but they were all sitting there. They drove all the way down here just to hear about Jesus. I told them about him. Yep. Makes it powerful. Yep. All right, we're out of time.
0: Uh, I got I had a story I was going to tell. I'll tell it in the overtime about a, uh, a painting that I have in my office called Through the Fires of Pain that really goes with this text really well. So I'll tell that in the overtime. If you want to follow us over, um, it's blaze unashamed uh, it's where we have our bonus material as well as everything that uh, blaze has to offer so check it out thanks for listening to the unashamed podcast help us out by rating us on itunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on youtube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes and for even more content that you won't get anywhere else